Welcome to Taz Racing's Week in Review podcast, a wagering focused look back at recent thoroughbred racing in Tasmania. I'm Matt Reid for tazracing.com.au, back this week after one off, so I look to cover a bit on this week's podcast. We've reached the end of a stretch where eight of the first nine meetings of the season have been in Devonport, and we go back to the grass in Launceston on the 6th of October under lights. I'll take a slightly different tact on this week's podcast, more of a reflection across the first two months of the season, who's been hot, who hasn't been, a few musings about this stretch of racing, and perhaps what we can look forward to coming up when we're back on the grass. Firstly, I didn't record a podcast off the back of the meeting on the 19th of September, the one where every senior jockey except Diane Parrish decided not to fulfil their rides that day. My thoughts on what transpired there are perhaps best shared off the record, so I won't go into that on the podcast. But that meeting was an extremely messy one with a stack of rider changes and races that were very messily run given they were full of apprentice riders. There's actually been a little bit of form from that Card, Banker Nips, Soul Leader, Tassie Miss, Port Berry, Captain Morgan all came out a week later and ran well. But for me, the form from the meeting can't really be trusted. Pointing punters in the direction of one from that day, Delegated is a horse I back there. I, I took 550 on Saturday with Brendan McCool listed. Come jump time, the horse was $3.30 with Diane Parrish engaged. Uh, she got stuck in a speed battle there, a complete barbecue up front. She would eventually finish fourth delegated, beaten 2.3 lengths. I just touched on it then, but from that maiden class one over 1650, the Quinella Tassie Miss and Portberry came out with the Quinella again on the Sunday, just gone in the same order, while Captain Morgan finished third and Tiny Timmy were fourth. They were also out of the same race. So, so the forms held up well and... Generally, if I find them once and things don't go to plan, I'll, I'll be trying to follow up. So I've black book delegated from that meeting on the 19th of September. So looking at the Sunday just gone, it was the 26th, the seven-race card there. and Three different jockeys managed doubles even with the, the smaller program. Ismail Toka, Erica Burn-Burke and Brent, Brendan McCool uh, rode two winners each row. And Hamer had a training double to take honours there. The biggest field of the day was the first, a maiden over 11.50 metres, and perhaps a sign of what's to come when we head back to the grass, where no doubt fields should be filled to the brim. The first winner was Need to Be Unique. It was a decent drifter, 2.05 out to 2.80, but a pretty easy winner as soon as David Perez was able to get outside the leader from gate 12 without doing a stack of work. He was easy enough to find. The riding was well and truly on the wall after he cleared out first up only to be grabbed on the post. Look, I, I worked around need to be unique at the short price just with concerns on the map, but well done to punters that followed up after the first start run, or sorry, first up run particularly uh, if you're on at the double figures. This race was basically an identical time to his first first up run basically a half length off so it was the only 11.50 meter race on Sunday's car but I think the form can be trusted and he'll need to show that he can run on the green stuff as all three of Need to Be Unique's runs have been in Devonport so far. Soul Leader went around 6.50 backed in from $9 utilized an inside gate to pick up more prize money there'll be a maiden for her somewhere but it'll be a bit of a grind to find it I think. I like the runs of a couple of debutantes in the first race. Eight margaritas was $18 for Rowan Hamer and finished third. No early speed, but from a low draw, Ismail Toka was able to work through the field and grab the minor money late. And another that will receive less attention, particularly because he started $26, but Papa Honda for Cameron Thompson 
from the start, was out of clear last, but had top 10 sectionals for the meeting from the final 400 and 200 metres. Was beaten just over five lengths into ninth, so it doesn't read that well, but it was a better run than that, and he'll be a big price again next time out. I'm black booking one here, though, which falls into the earlier category I spoke about with Delegated, and that's Labby Rock. I found her for the staking strategy off a very quiet trial and and early career runs where the excuses were obvious. This horse, though, was given absolutely none in the race on Sunday. The horse jumped as well as anything in the field but immediately snicked to the point where as they were rounding the home turn, the rider Dan Ganderton had only two horses behind him, then goes via the cape in the home straight to find clear air and the horse finishes midfield working home with the third fastest final 200 of the race and 12th of the whole day. I think with a bit more positivity early in the race, uh, Labby Rock would have finished much closer and we'll get a price again next start. So I'm black booking her to see where she bobs up. Race two was a win for a black book runner when Banker Nip, who was smashed late 370 into 260, was lifted over the line by Ismail Toka. I've said it before, but on the seven-day backup, these are the horses that big players like to find, so the market move was no big surprise. Enjoyed a terrific run, did the winner. There was a speed battle up front, which gave those off the pace a chance, but Ismail saved ground on the rail and got to the middle in the home straight. A textbook Devonport ride, but was challenged hard by Dixie's boy, who was five into 440 and eased out of the early speed battle. A smart move by Erica Burnberg, as that meant she had an opportunity to finish the race off. We've seen repeatedly there isn't a heap of staying depth around this grade, so I'd expect the Quinella and probably most of the others to to head to the grass and see if they can't run out the 2,100 metres there. Pretty big run in this race by my Kerry Pye, an ex-Mitch Friedman-trained horse having her first start in Tassie for Cameron Thompson. There was no market love, 650 out to $13.00. Whether Cameron had just watched the tapes or spoken to the previous stable, it was clear here that a plan was to lead, which was interesting as there was a noted leader in the race being Red Fior. Mike Kerry Pye got to the front, but when Bullet Muku tried to get a breather, Red Fior whipped around them and it was essentially on from there. There was no peace for Mike Kerry Pye for the last half of the race, but to only be nosed out for third was a big effort and given the tactics here was clearly to lead you'd have to assume that's how he'll be ridden forward from now on worth mentioning red fjord given he was right in the market but 350 out to five dollars was perhaps a sign that he wouldn't get the lead peter lou clapped on the speed mid-race but when bullet wouldn't give up the front his race was done the third race i won't get into it a stack i've already touched on it a little but a second win was nothing less than the race favorite tassie miss deserved for the campaign she was easy as she often is 215 out to 270 but a genuinely run race here found out the likes of tough cookie southern wind and who's the rider who finished as the trifecta in a crawl last time around impressive ride here though from erica burn burke she switched the stick into her left hand in the straight when tassie miss was laying in and i doubt there are many other apprentice riders or even senior riders for that matter who could do that and it was pretty important because poor Berry had the winner absolutely cold with a dream run through along the rail but geez you'd think if Port Berry couldn't get the job done here then he might not get a better opportunity for another win 
this was a field that's pretty exposed and, and we've seen a race on the carpet for much of this stretch of racing, which was a similar story in race four, a benchmark 60 over the mile. Turk Delight gave Ismail Toker an early double and, and back-to-back wins for the horse, who was a $5 chance in a pretty open race. There was no speed in this one. Most maps would have had Irish Shotgun and Turk Delight 1-2 in some order, but Irish Shotgun did lead. Turk Delight was able to be eased early and, and crossed by Northern Spirit, which meant Ismail Toker secured the coveted one-out, one-back position on the winner. But off a slow tempo, the leader, Irish Shotgun, who was a big drifter off a break, 5.50 out to 10, gave a very good kick, and it took all the straight for the result to be known. At different points on the corner, both Dunn Mining, who was 4.40 out to 8.50, and Northern Spirit, who was backed into favourite, 3.60 into 3.20, looked like they'd be the winner. But in the end, it was Turk Delight, and less than a length covered the first four. But Glenn Stevenson, he knows what he has with Turk Delight now. Uh, no star, but he's won three races so far in his career. I think this was the type of race, though. If you run it 10 different times, you'd be hard-pressed to get the same winner twice in a row. There were some excuses for submit another 380 second favourite who settled last and couldn't get warm from back there, while a solid move on the 12-year-old veteran Spiro, who was double figures early into 650, never really looked like coming off. He was three wide for the first half of the race and tailed out to finish a distant last. TazRacing.com.au's new Form Plus Pro gives you even more data on all Tasmanian thoroughbred racing. Subscribe to the ultimate Tasmanian form source today. Form Plus Pro by TazRacing.com.au. Race five was another win for a black book runner of mine, and this was easily the win of the day. And I'm not saying that just because he was my best bet, but Lucky Bucky brought up a hat-trick of wins with a win in a benchmark 66 over 1,009 metres. Look, I sung Lucky Bucky's praises after his first up run. Well, this was just as good, if not better. He was pretty easy in the betting, mainly due to the market smashing Trojan Storm late. Brendan McCool jumped well on Lucky Bucky, but was immediately joined by GG Queen B, who was another drift of five out to 750. Erica Byrne-Burke was in the saddle there, and she tried to cross from a wide gate. McCool let the leader go, which was a winning move, and he ran straight past GG Queen Bee early in the straight and was pretty soft on the line. They've gone within three lengths of the track record here, and GG Queen Bee, who led the race, has dropped out to run last. So it was a genuine gallop, a super performance, and if you weren't with me on the Lucky Bucky bandwagon, there is still time to jump on, I think. If you listen to this podcast or even read my previews, you'll know I continually mention that Skazam's a dead set Devonport 1000 metre horse. She ran second here. It's her ninth placing from 12 starts at the track and distance, which include her only two wins. The market still has no clue that it's basically the only place that you want to back her. She's had four runs this campaign over the Devonport 1009. On the 6th of June, she finished 9th at $61. On the 15th of August, 2nd at $41. 12th of September, 2nd at $18. And then on Sunday, 2nd again at $31. We don't race in Devonport for a little while, so you can't use this information until then. But I'd keep it in mind when we're back on the carpet then. Anytime you see Scasm over the Devonport thousands, basically an auto bet and the market generally misses her. Lekadeau was an early market mover, maybe because Barry Campbell basically declared the horse on SEN on Friday. Drifted late to start 4.20, settled last but rattled home, had the equal second fastest final 200 of the day to finish third. Lekadeau hasn't won a race since he was a two-year-old, but this suggests that at 1,200 or 1,400, 
this prep, he should be able to find one. And I'm going to Black Book Lucado off this run, and we know Launceston's fine for that horse. Further back in the field, Trojan Storm, as I touched on, was hammered late, $4.20 into $3 a week after he gave Taya Stalker her first winner at a first race ride. But back to a 1,000 never really looked ideal on paper and, and subsequently he couldn't get into the race. And I'd probably be forgiving two of GG Queen B. This was how she was ridden early in her career, real speed horse, but she's shown she's better with a bum to follow and they went very hard in front here. Weldborough gave Brenna McCool a double and trainer Leanne Gaffney her first winner for the season with a rails-hugging ride and, and a dominant win in the end. The $7 that went up early quickly disappeared on the Taz Racing official price as Weldborough was 4 out to four sixty. Matt for a gun run from a low draw and was potentially the progressive horse in an exposed field and that's sort of how it played out. McCool landed behind the leader. Didn't even need to leave the paint, and even though the caller, Duncan Dornoff, didn't pick him up until very late, he was a clear winner, the margin two and a half lengths on the line. He's always shown good potential, Weldburn. Uh, he started out over a 1,000, but I think even up to a mile, we might see him run good races. Staggering to think that this was Leanne Gaffney's first winner this season, given what a force she's traditionally been in Devonport. Uh, Freelancer was okay as $3 favourite, but I guess his big query is now on whether he's the horse he's promised to be. He enjoyed a good run from midfield, but was a long way off the winner at the end. And look, this wasn't the strongest class one, reflected by the fact that the beekeeper who took 17 starts to win a maiden was $3.70 into $3.20 in this lineup and seemingly had every chance racing up on the speed. That said, they did run a full second quicker in the Class 1 than they did in the final race, which was a real rack'em and stack'em job from nine-year-old Ragu. And the market saw this one coming $7 into four twenty, and it gave Erica Byrne-Burke a double. As mentioned, complete crawl up front, 1-2 in the run, finishes the Canela with Azarenka, $3.80 out to $5 running second. This race produced some of the fastest sectionals of the day. In fact, DeRosa, who ran fourth, had the fastest last four and two, and, and Ragu, who led the race, had the second fastest four and two. For me, this was perhaps a, a fitting end to this run of Devonport racing. Look, I love betting at the track as much as the next person, but I don't think I can recall having less confidence in race pace, speed maps, and how races will be run than the last couple of months in Devonport. Without being derogatory, it's probably a bit of a reflection on the depth of the riding ranks we have at the moment and also a side effect of small fields. Ragu settled last a week ago, never managing to go past a horse and a week later he leads all the way. I've touched on it with different races featuring the likes of Tassie Miss and Ann Kona on this podcast. One week a race will be generally run, the next week it's a crawl or they go crazy in front just off very similar speed maps on paper. So since the last meeting in Hobart, which was the 8th of August, there's been seven straight meetings in Devonport, 55 races in total. The average field size across that span was exactly eight, and 24 of the races, or 44%, have had less than eight runners or no third dividend for each way punters. So, look, it's been... A massive grind the last couple of months on Devonport, I think, from a wagering perspective. And uh, I touched on it when we finished at Lonnie. The way that track plays can be a little bit challenging at times, but 
certainly as we head back there, hopefully bulging fields, we should see some competitive racing. Ladbrokes new bet ticker now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get the down low on the download. Ladbrokes Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. A few trainers that might be wishing that the racing continued at Devonport have been on fire of late. Adam Trinder is 11 winners from 30 starters at 37% for the season. He's just placing his horses extremely well, the early leader from the Trainers' Premiership. Rowan Hamer with six wins at 27% and Cameron Thompson with six wins at 18% are both well up on their numbers from last year. Scotty Brunton will start unleashing his team now. We're back on the grass. He's eight from 44 at 18%, but from memory, around half of those winners came at the lone Hobart meeting this season. And at the end of the spectrum, a few trainers whose numbers probably leave a bit to be desired. Barry Campbell's one for 11 at 9%. John Black at one for 31 at 3%. Leon Gaffney, one for 20 at 5%. And Tegan Keys, one for 17 at 6%. Those stables will be hoping that the change in surface will boost their winners. From a riding perspective, it's been the Erica Byrne-Burke show. Her 15 winners are more than double that of any other jockey. She's striking at 27%, and if you forget just how long she's been around for, she hasn't even had a race ride at Launceston in her career yet. Brenda McCool's a staggering 7 for 15 early in the season, striking at 46%. Put simply, it doesn't seem like Brendan takes rides these days on anything he doesn't feel like he can't win on. Ismail Toka, 7 winners at 28% flying. He and Rowan Hamer in particular seem to do much better as a combination than the market often expects. And David Perez has only had 12 rides this season, heading to Devonport pretty sparingly. At the other end of the spectrum, a few riders who would expect improvement. Bullet Muku, 2 for 48 at 4% so far this season. It's very surprising given he was one of the leading riders in Devonport last season. Georgie Catania, 1 for 27 at 4%. Tom Doyle, 1 for 36 at 3%. And Yanish Luxman, two for 48 at 4% as well. So as we head to Launceston for the racing coming up, uh, just a reminder on who the top riders were there last season. It was Brendan McCool quite clearly. He had 32 winners in Launceston last year at a strike rate of 25.6%, 10 clear of Siggy Carr in second place, who had 22 winners at 20%. Siggy's front-running style very much suited to Launceston. Third, Bullet Muku, 18 at 13% strike rate. Cole Maskill, 18 at 17%. David Perez, 16 at 13%. Troy Baker, 16 at 14.5%. Anthony Darmanin, 15 at 15.5%. We'll be hoping the borders open up so we can see Dharma back here again soon. Ismail Toka, 14 wins. Cody Jordan, 13 wins. And Georgie Catania, 10 wins rounded out the top 10 there at Lonnie. But looking at the numbers from there last season, the, the, the top two, Brenna McCool and Siggy Carr, really stand out. So I'll be looking and paying a lot of attention to whatever they're aboard as we head back to the grass. So the numbers at Longford Trials indicate we'll have full fields next Wednesday night. I'll be back up there hosting with Duncan Dornoff for Taz Racing TV. But we give weekend racing a break for a little while, which I'm not unhappy about because early Sunday starts aren't always real easy as we've had in recent times they'll be looking across the water to cheer the tassie runners home and cheers it's been a while since we've had a metro winner outside of tassie war correspondent i thought was very good last friday at mooney valley he probably runs top three if he steps with them but 
Darosh, I thought, was poor at Sandown. And Newhart, probably a past market best. Saz Finale ran a placing in Adelaide, but was only fair there as well, given the run he had and, and the market expectation. The, the two flag bearers are undoubtedly Mystic Journey and still a star for our interstate hopes at the moment. They're both nom for the Rose of Kingston at Flemington on Saturday. Believe it or not, a horse I black book from its maiden in Devonport, Clara Karen for trainer Yassi Nishitani is nominated for the Group 2 Edward Manifold. I tell you, if I can find one out of a Devonport maiden that wins a Group 2 next start, I'll be screaming for a pay rise from Taz Racing. Thanks as always for listening. If you ever have any suggestions for improving this podcast or any of the Taz Racing content, please don't hesitate to reach out to me by Twitter or via any platform. It's full steam ahead for Lonnie Knights next Wednesday. Look forward to getting back onto the grass.